Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. I'm your host, A-Sharad Blakely, joined once again by Kwani A. Lunas and our good friend, Gary Washburn. Somebody's trying to show off their little Christmas bling. Go ahead. Tell- it says my name, Kwani. My brother's got it for me. Shout out to my little brothers. Why is Gary already frustrated? Look at him, annoyed. We're not even ten. We're not even ten, 10 seconds into the damn podcast, and Kwani's like already promoting her stuff. Showing the yeah, blame. Man. Damn. I just wanted to show how to spell my name. If anyone was curious, K W A N I. Why don't you just give me your cash app at info too while you at it? I already. I already and told y'all my cash app. And your LinkedIn. And y'all and still LinkedIn. haven't sent me anything. I'm waiting. What they kind might of be it, are you? It, there may be a message in that, Kwani. <laughs> <laughs> Thirsty, my friend. Stay thirsty. Oh <laughs> we've already derailed. Let's get back on track. We are already off, but we're going to get back on track. Kind of like the Celtics are kind of getting back on track. Big win over the New Orleans Pelicans, which is kind of weird saying a big win over the Pelicans, knowing they're the Pelicans and how bad they are. But the Celtics have now won five of the last six games. They're obviously finding ways to win. It has not always been pretty, but they're getting it done. Uh, but this last Pelicans game... Um, I want and again we we talk about basketball obviously but there are still, there's still levels and layers that are connected with basketball uh that are part of the game but maybe not necessarily on the court per se and and one that that kind of jumped out at me from the Pelicans game was before it was on MLK day and Jalen Brown addressed uh the crowd and 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 had a few things to say about the holiday and and, and said some things that I don't know how your social media feed responded but I got a lot of mixed reactions to what Jalen said and he talked about how you know systemic racism is real in Boston and in other parts of the country and he made he was pretty clear that saying it wasn't just Boston it was Boston and other parts of the country but it seemed that once he said the Boston everyone kind of tuned out with anything else he said after that and took offense to that I'm like how was that I mean how did that play out with you guys I mean did you see any feedback from folks uh chiming in about about that I started with the Celtic social media account because I was very curious to see what the followers would have said. And like you mentioned, there were mixed reviews. There are always going to be those people in the comments, no matter what the post is, are just talking about basketball. Like, why'd you shoot this way? And then you saw the people that were like, he's part of the problem. You're my favorite player. Why would you say that? And then you had the people that supported him. I thought it was interesting. The TD Garden crowd gave him a round of applause, which I think when you're in a public space, you can't help but have to do that. 
But I was curious how many people in that crowd didn't actually agree with what he said due to the way those comments seem to be rolling out on social media. Yeah. What about you, Gary? Uh, people supported him on my Twitter. One person was like, I'd like examples of how system, system, systemic racism still exists in Boston. I'd like concrete examples. Excuse um, me. That's the thing I think is what's happening now is that the person who is, uh, you know, you don't want to put them in a box, but the, those who, who those who don't support Black Lives Matter, don't those who don't believe uh, in a lot of these causes and diversity are now saying, well, I need concrete examples of, I mean, even when I wrote my Black Coaches column, it was, well, give me concrete examples of, like you now you're getting the person that wants you to be literally very literal with them. Like they want you to point out Brown versus Board of Education. They want you to point out uh, the disparity disparity in income between black families and white families in Boston. They want you to bring the numbers to them. And they're like, oh, okay. Like as if they don't know. So I think there was people who were like, well, I'd like to see examples of how systemic racism exists. And we'll look at the amount of black owned businesses in Boston. Look at uh, let's go on the seaport and see how many black owned businesses are in the seaport. That. Or when we're going to a restaurant in the seaport, how many other people of color are in the restaurant who work there? Who, you know, or are we the only black uh, people that walk in there? And we have to just be normal. That's normalized. Let's look at sports talk radio and to see how many uh, black people and women are in sports talk radio in Boston. You know, like, let's really, I mean, if that's what we are going to do here, and if you want to play the, like, I don't really see it, then let's do that. But I think that's become kind of the new, I don't really know. I'm going to need to see concrete numbers before I agree with Jalen. You know, like, that was what um, I got uh, from a couple of followers or people that when I, when I tweeted what he said or said the, the point, the, the line about the systemic racism uh, exists in Boston and in, in, in the rest of society. So I think that's kind of the new Jack. Like, you know, you're not going to get an openly racist remark. You're not going to get, they're smarter than that. They're going to get, they, they want you to bring literal proof and say, well, I didn't see enough proof. So therefore I don't believe it's happening. And I've seen also the argument of, oh, he's a million dollar player. What kind of racism has is he enduring? What are you talking about? And that's kind of adding to the concrete examples. Despite the fact that Marcus Smart wrote an entire op-ed about an experience outside of the TD Garden where he dealt with racism and they just turned a blind eye when you do actually give them evidence. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something that I, I appreciate. Jalen being comfortable and confident to even bring it up at a time where the energy that was a, that this country felt in, in terms of, of racial uh, diversity and things of that nature following George Floyd's death, if we're being honest and real with each other, it's died significantly. Mm -hmm. You don't get that same energy. You don't get that same vibe. And, and for Jalen to know that there's a pretty good chance he knew going in that there were going there was going to be a, a decent segment of folks who weren't trying to hear his message. Uh, and that, nonetheless, did not stop him from making it. Uh, it did not blunt what he was seeking to do. Uh, and that, to me, it's always good because athletes are no different than, than pharmacists, than doctors, than, than trash collectors. They have interests outside of their job. And you have a platform where you can speak about that uh, and, and, and 
frankly, let people understand where you stand on things. That's good. That's why, like, when, when people respond to, to different, you know, things that happen in the sports world, like if, if a guy goes six for 17 and Joe Fan, who works at, you know, computer company XYZ, says that guy was trash, he has a right to feel that way. I'm not going to diminish what he thinks because he's not a sports writer or he doesn't cover the league or anything like that. Uh, and and I, I just wish that 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 level of comfort went both ways that when you're speaking about something that isn't necessarily your job, that doesn't diminish what you're speaking about. Uh, and, and so athletes should have that same privilege uh, when they speak on, on societal issues that are near and dear to their hearts. But at the end of the day, when you talk about the Boston Celtics, you talk about the NBA, it's about, are you getting it done? Are you winning games? Are you frankly pull out the Belichick line? Are you doing your job? And against the Pelicans, even though they won the game, they were down by 18 uh, to one of the worst teams in, in the NBA. And, and I guess, I don't know whether, I'm, I'm going to throw this out to you, Gary. I don't know whether it's a situation of the Celtics are now beating bad teams or are they actually playing better basketball? I mean, which, which side of that 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 uh, line equation do you fall on? I think it's a combination of both, I guess. I mean, you know, I was – I think everyone was disappointed in how they came out against Philadelphia. I just think they took a 10-4 lead. They looked like they were about to really be a factor in that game, and then all of a sudden they get outscored 28-2. to Like, this is, this is embarrassing. That can't happen. These kind of runs or whatever. But I also think we're seeing around the league, like, the Lakers play in Denver and troll by as many as 43. Like, there's just some teams that are just – Effort ain't there every night in the league anymore. Like it, you know, I don't know if it's just this season. I'd have to look at some numbers to see about the point differential. But there's some definite, like, just some teams laying down every here and there. And I just think with the Celtics, yeah, I think that they're just avoiding embarrassment in a sense. Like the Chicago game without Levine, without Lonzo Ball, like with without Javante Green, like like four starters, three starters out, and they nearly lost that game. Now, Chicago has some good bench players. Uh, the kid from Illinois, the one who's who is literally 15 for 16 against the Celtics this year, Vucevic played well. Like, they are still capable NBA players, so that's not like a terrible team that, that they rolled out there, but that's a team you need to handle, okay? New Orleans – the energy, it's a 12-30 start, but it's a 12-30 start for New Orleans, too. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why why you don't come out with energy. Uh, you know, it's it's just it's just interesting. Like, I think that they're doing okay. The two wins against Indiana, hey, you know, Indiana's a team that they were, I think, 13-5 and five at home when the Celtics beat them. So they, they're not – they were a good home team. The Celtics handled them at home in, in Indiana. They came back and avoided some disaster when they beat them. So, I mean, you, you're not – when you're not beating world beaters, but you're doing what you're supposed to do. And I think that's a step for the Celtics because for the first 40 games, they haven't done what they're supposed to do. Like you're not, you're supposed to beat the bad teams. This team, you know, they lost twice to the Clippers. Uh, they've lost twice to the Spurs. So like they're not beating the team that they should be. So the fact that they are, you have to give them some credit. You know, they, you know, and you look at, if you're not, you know, and if you, the, advertisement the bet online like the Celtics covered the spread yesterday they didn't it was they won by 12 like you're you beat a, a team you should beat by 12 by 12 that was admirable they played very good defense 
in a, for the two and a half quarters after they trolled 42 to 24, they shut New Orleans down. You know, Brandon Ingram's a good player. Devontae Graham's a good player. Rollin Chuna's a good player. So they have capable players. And remember, folks, they came to Boston and won last year with a worse team, mm-hmm. right? They, they, they came, the, the Pelicans beat the Celtics twice last year. So, you know, if you want, it's progress. It's not what I think people expect. But at this point, you got to look at any if you if you're trying to be positive, you got to look at the positive side of it and say, listen, they're winning these games. Yeah, Gary's being positive. That's we need to mark we need to mark this day and is a day on this, day. On this day in Celtics history. Um, I think well, it's, I, I, I think you have to lower your expectations. I think that what you have to do good, at yeah. this point is just say, listen, they're making slow progressive steps. I think. If you would have said by now, this team is 20 through, through 45 games. If beginning of the season, you would have said the Celtics might be, you know, maybe uh, 29 and 16, 28 and 17, something like that. A good solid record. Like, no. But the thing is, they're five games worse. So you can pick five games out of the first 45 and go, they should have won. They should have won. They should have beat Chicago. Uh, they should have beat the Clippers. Like, you know, they should have beat both New York games in New York. They probably should have won those. Like, you know, you, you can pick five out to, to to make it to say they could they could easily have 30 wins uh, if they execute in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I agree. And the, the one thing about this Celtics team that kind of speaks to that is just they've been so damn all over the map. I mean, guys who, you know, absolutely show out some nights and look like the, the best thing that money can buy. And other nights they don't, they pull a cast with a friendly ghost and disappear and leave us wondering which way did they go? Which way did they go? Uh, one guy who certainly, when you look at that, this, the win over the Pelicans played really well was Dennis Schroeder, uh, 23 points, nine assists. He only had two turnovers, which I have been an absolute, you know, I've been beating that drum forever and a day with him as far as the damn turnovers. That's the part about this game that drives me nuts more than anything else. I can deal with all the other, up and down shooting and, and and things like that, but that's that's the stuff that as a point guard that that needs to be the one thing that folks can be like, you know what? Unless your name is Allen Iverson, I ain't really you know you can. I need you to be in tr- control of those damn turnovers. AI yeah. was the only guy I could I could care less how many times he turned the ball over because I knew I could counter him to make significantly more positive plays on an offensive standpoint than those turnovers. Um, but before we, you know, delve into to Dennis, obviously, you know, uh, it's, it's been out there. Uh, Dennis did not take kindly to a very legitimate question that our, our, our guy Gary Washburn asked him. We're basically pointing out what we've all seen from Dennis most of the season in that feast of famine. You know, Philadelphia had one point. Pelicans, he had 23. And, and Gary's question was, was asking just wh- whether he was getting more comfortable with the team and his role. Because, again, what he did against New Orleans was, to me, that might he's had better scoring games, but I don't know if he's had a more complete game in terms of scoring, ball distribution, defense. I, I thought was was decent as well. It felt like a very complete game, and so to ask him about that game and just whether he's closer to being kind of the player that he wants to with this team seemed like a very valid, legitimate question. But he took offense to. Um, but again, I, I, Gary, just your, your thoughts on on just his play and and just anything else relative to to that dude. Because he's that dude to me now. I'm going to just let you know that. Well, I mean, he's that dude to me now. 
I don't have anything against Dennis. Uh, he didn't like. First of all, we don't get the chance to talk to the guys after every game. Okay, I think people need to understand. Uh, yeah, that. like in the locker room. Like yeah, we don't to. get to go in the locker room. Yeah. Dennis had, Dennis had one point against the Sixers. Okay, his last couple of games, his 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 game log. Okay, I'm reading now. Um, against the Knicks, the the home win, he had six points. Um, he was a plus eleven in that night in that big win against the Knicks. Okay, he was over in the win at home against Indiana. He was over three. Sorry, all for four from the field, uh, five points. He was a minus nine in in that win. Okay, uh, the next night, twenty three points in the win in Indiana. Then he had one point against Philly, sixteen against Chicago, and twenty three against the Pelicans. So in three of his last five games, he had a minus fifteen and a minus nine. And then in those three other games, he plus fifteen, plus fourteen, plus twenty one. So when the Celtics seen he plays well. The Celtics seem to play well. Okay. But the Philadelphia game was like his worst game. He had not scored anything less than two points in a game. I think three points in a game in six years. So it was his worst offensive game in six years. I think I had to ask about that and whether it was something wrong or whether, but his also his bounce back to come back and score 16 and then score 23. He took offense to me pointing out the Philly game. Obviously it's a, it's a sensitive subject. I understand that. Um, you know, but that was my question. Like, does he feel comfortable? Remember, he missed literally two games and then he missed six out of eight games, COVID protocol, whatever injury, whatever it was over um late December, and he missed the Christmas Day game. He missed he missed a, a series of games. So is he just starting to get comfortable in the offense? Because his last uh six games, six points, five points, twenty-three, one, sixteen, and twenty-three. So he's kind of up and down. So I was trying to under, get him, ask him whether he thought he was getting more comfortable, why the up and down, why the bumpy roads, and he took offense to it. That's fine. Um, I've said before, I said on the radio, I've had bigger scrapes with athletes. This is not a big deal. Uh, you know, whatever. It's just it's not one of those things that, that I take personally. You have to have a thick skin to, co- to, to cover this league, to cover – professional athletes if you let this get to you or you take it personal that you know he was irritated my question i understand i i'm sure i don't know when we'll have a discussion about it um and you know he he obviously approached the question later by saying how bad they played in philly how bad they started which I, which i was touching on because yeah. remember we didn't get a chance to talk to uh them at, after the Philly game, we talked to Peyton Pritchard and we talked to Jason Tatum. We asked Jason the same questions. Why did you come out terribly? Why did it so start? Jason ha- handled it. So, Dennis, obviously, I get it. He was not – I wasn't aware of it. He, you know, I'm I'm sure he's like, why are you talking to me that after we won? I can understand yeah. that mentality. But my job is not to ask always positive, go, go get them, go Celtic questions. That's not my job. My job is to ask why the up and down because he's had – an inconsistent year. I mean, he's been at times very good, and when usually they he plays good, they play good. And there's times like the Philly game where it was just like, is this something wrong? Like 0 for 6, 1 point, he just didn't seem into it, um, and that hurt the team. So, yeah. The part that stood out to me the most was when he asked you, are you for Boston or for – he was basically asking, like, are you for the Celtics in a sense? And you basically responded – 
saying that you cover the Celtics, but I think to your point earlier about the fact that the way access has changed for journalists, that makes your job a little bit harder where if he had no clue where you, who you are, were genuinely in that moment, then it just goes to show that the way you used to build relationships with these players, and it doesn't always have to be a best friendship, but the fact that they at least acknowledge who you are, acknowledge that you're good at your job. Yes, it's okay to get offended if a question comes up that's a sore topic, but at the same time, they'll still have that respect knowing that you're just there to do your job and you're not necessarily trying to get a gotcha moment, but just do your job and ask a good question. So I think that was where the biggest disconnect was of him just – if he genuinely doesn't know who you are, then he just was like, who is this guy? Why is he bringing up? Or the he past? thought that I should be asking pro Celtic questions since I'm valid. Cause you know, you're and, and some people believe like, why, why, you know, like you're supposed to be down for us. Like, no, right. I'm not like no offense. My job is to cover the team, the ups and downs, the good times and the bad. I wrote a lot of great stories when I was covering Garnett, Allen and Pierce. Okay. But I also had to write when they got spanked by LeBron, I also had to write when they lost in the first round to the Knicks. I also had to write all of what's gone on. And this team over yeah. the last two years has been a 500 team and not met expectations. I think anyone, a Celtic, any Celtic fan can agree with that. It's not my job to be go get them guys. You'll get them next time. No, I'm not the team mom. The team dad or not, that's not my job. My job Uncle is Uncle G. Why don't you write nice things about us, Uncle G? Yeah. <laughs> My job is to cover this team accurately and tell it like it is. If people have a problem with that or you hate it, I don't hate the team. Yeah. My job is to cover the team. That's the way it is. You, you, you know, I know, unfortunately, in our business now, we have a lot of journalism fandom. A lot of fans start websites, write about the team. They're really rooting for the team. They don't like when someone talks disparagingly about the team. So they come at, you know, I get other quote unquote journalists coming at me. And it's just like, you're supposed to be a journalist. Like I don't go at journalists about how they do their job. Yeah. If you want to support the team, fine. Understand that that's not my job. The Boston Globe, Bob Ryan, Dan Sean, all the great, Jack and Bowen did not root for the damn Celtics. Like that's mm-hmm. not our job. And I think that that has become more blurry with, the advent of Twitter and blogs and everybody starting their own site and wants to write about the team and you want the team to win. And you like, you want to be a journalist. That's great. But there's a path that we all took and there's an agreement. I promised my company, I will accurately cover the Celtics. I'm not there to root for them to say only good things. If I have to ask the tough questions, I'll take that on me. If you want, if you don't like my questions or don't like, uh, that I ask the tough questions or, you know, because all I know is, okay, here's my thing. The only team I have is the University of California. Okay. When they lose, mm-hmm. I want the reporters there to ask the coach a tough questions. I'm hard on my team. So I want, why job? Why did he fumble the ball? Why did you not call a pass instead of a run? Like when I'm watching the, the Cal football sites and whatever, and Cal loses, which is very often, it is. Okay. You're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Thank you, Sharad. Um, he was so when, enthusiastic to say that. Yeah. When they lose, <laughs> I want the reporter that covers the team to ask, how come you didn't call that play? I'm hard on my team. I don't want the reporter to say, ask the easy softball questions and not get the information or not put the coach on the spot of the players and say, hey, these are college guys. It's different. But 
just say, hey, why is this going on? Or why did this not happen? That's me. But some people feel like they want, you know, they want certain type of coverage of, you know, I only want positive things to be said. And you don't have to write about that, do you? Like, it's the truth. If I'm right, if I'm writing lies, then please tell me that's a lie. I don't write lies. I write my perspective, the truth. And I said, I will talk. I'm sure Dennis, I, I have nothing against Dennis. I didn't, I don't try to grandstand anybody. I think I asked the questions that fans want to know. The fans who follow the Celtics want to know the tough questions. Because I certainly get a lot of tweets ripping Jason, ripping Jalen, ripping Eme, ripping, you know, like the fans that are like, these guys aren't doing well. They they need they deserve answers. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. And along those lines, um, at, at the end of the day, you're doing Uh-oh. your job. Here, here comes some... When a dude says at the end of the day, oh. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, there's some real, it's some real a gem be I'm, just, I'm, just, Gary, I'm just trying to reset the, the playground so that everyone is cool, is cool, calm, and collected. All right. Look at the day. You are simply doing your job. And, and your yeah. job is one that involves not pleasing everybody. Because that's not your purpose. That's not the goal that you should be seeking for. Your job is to educate, enlighten, and inform. And that comes in many shapes, sizes, and forms. And sometimes it comes in a package that players don't like. But as as someone who's done this for many years and as someone who has had more than his share of scrapes with uh, players in the past, uh, some were avoidable, some not avoidable. Uh, It is what it is. You deal with it. You see what happens. You move on. Um, but before we move on, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, betonline.ag. Uh, Deadline would like to wish you all happy holidays and all that good stuff as we get deeper and deeper into this 2022 year. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports waiting in action for 2022. And don't act like there ain't no holidays coming up because February 14th, Valentine's Day, show some love to your loved one and get some extra cheddar from BetOnline.ag. And I know, Kwani, you about to say, but my birthday is like the day after. I, I, oh, my God, you read my mind. My birthday is the day after. Yes, Kwani, I know. Wow, he remembered my birthday, y'all. I know. <laughs> I, now, does that mean you get something? No, it don't. But I remember. I remember. I'll still send y'all my cash app. <laughs> we, we, oh, we know, Kwani. We know. Uh, <laughs> listen, from football, basketball, hockey, rolling, UFC, you name it, they got it. Take advantage of all the amazing offers. And don't forget this uh, promo code bonus, CLNS50. Bet online where the games start. Now, here's the, the one of the things that I, I wanted to get into with you guys about the, the Pelicans game. And, again, I, I – I fully understand that they're not a very good team. Fully understand that they're 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 just not anywhere close to being full strength. But there were certain things that I saw in that game that are skill are not are transferable and from a blueprint standpoint to other games. For example, Jason Tatum, he had 12 points in the fourth quarter. He was that dude. Quarters one through three. Jalen Brown was their best source of offense. Inter- intermixed with that, you get a little bit from Schroeder. You get a little bit from, you know, um, Aaron Neesmith siding was was in the building. He had actually had a great – had that yeah, great yeah, end yeah. one where Tatum yeah. found him on that, that, that pass from damn near half court. Mm-hmm. That's the blueprint for this team. And I, I'm just curious, Jalen specifically, 
is he best suited to be kind of that setup guy and just kind of let Tatum t- go take over in the fourth? Or do we need to see more of him in the fourth? Because he had five points in the fourth, but he was so good through the first three quarters. Should he be that setup? I mean, should he be? Should they be building him up to be that guy that for three quarters is really, really, really that dude, and fourth quarter let Tatum take over? I hadn't thought about it, but I think there are going to be games where you need him to be the fourth quarter guy. If Tatum, if Tatum's slumping in a sense, and Jalen's on a hot streak, then you want him in. But now that you mention it, I could see that being a good long-term game plan of letting him really build the game up to that point and then letting Tatum finish the game. But it would have to depend. I think it would still be a game-to-game circumstance. Mm. I think, yeah, you got to let him take turns at times and and play off each other. You know, like if, yeah. if, if Jalen's got it, then he needs to be the man. If Jason's got it. And then if defenses are adjusting to Jalen, Jason can take over. I think they just have to figure out that symmetry to take turns. But the key is getting no more shooters around them so defenses don't collapse yeah. on both them dudes. Right. That's the problem. If you have non-shooters on the floor, defenses can trap both of those guys or Jalen resorts to watching Jason dribble drive and sitting in the corner. Jason's got to I mean, Jalen's got to move, whether it be backdoor cuts, whether it be setting high picks, whatever it is, they've got to find a way for Jalen to move when Jason's going to work. But it's also surrounding them with shooters that scare defenses because those shooters that they've been playing do not scare defenses. Or it's like I'd rather lose to Marcus Smart hitting five threes in the fourth quarter than Jason hitting five threes in the fourth quarter or Jason getting to the rim because people are going to ask how the, why the hell would you let Jason Tatum beat you? You he's their best player. The same with Jalen Brown, Marcus smart is, Hey, he got hot. There's been plenty of people that we've seen over the years. that just have one great game. And yeah. it, this is, this league is filled with talented players. And it's funny that people think that though, you such such like, I hate the term trash. That's yeah. a new Millennial term that I cannot stand. Oh, Gary, trash. All right, you no player podcast game. Every time he says millennial, we take a shot. Okay, no player in the NBA is trash. Okay, there are there are good players, great players, elite players, all timers, and most NBA every NBA player has talent. They work on that three pointer. It's just. Some players do it more often and better than others. So a guy like Marcus Smart is capable. He's hit 11 threes in a game, okay? But you're going to take your chances and go, let's see him. Remember that playoff game at Cleveland? He hit 11 threes. Like, we've seen Marcus have one of those nights. It just happens twice, three times a season, okay? So you have to take your chances and get beat by that. Teams are willing to do that, especially with Marcus this year shooting 28%. That's the thing. Teams, as I explained last week with the whole Andre Miller example, when he scored 52 points in a game several years ago, and Doc was like, how do you think they're going to play Andre Miller the next night? The same as they did the night before, because they're going to, he ain't scoring 52 again. It ain't happening. That's That's a career night. So that's the thing. You've got to move defenses it's not Jalen and Jason. It's the pieces around them that can get a defender two to three steps away because he's afraid he's going to hit the three. That's why this team needs another shooter. 
So people, oh, well, let Jalen handle it. It's Jason and Jalen. Like, when they get better players around them, then I think we can accurately judge them on whether they can play together. And that's really the, the, the thing that the more you watch them play, the clearer it becomes that's what it, that's it. That's what's missing. Because I, I think until this season, you never really knew for sure whether Jason Tatum could be a good playmaker. He's still learning that role. He's getting better at that role. He's not anywhere close to where I think he'll be eventually. But there's clear progress from the beginning of the season to where he's at now. And the same thing for Jalen Brown. But, again, when you become a more willing playmaker, you need to be surrounded by guys that can make plays. I mean, as as great as, as Michael Jordan was in Chicago, if he didn't have a guy like Paxson around, if he didn't have a guy like Kerr around, how many championships would he have won? He probably still would have won a few, but he wouldn't have won as many because those guys had the ability to be elevated in the roles that they have and the skill set that they have because of the guys around them. And I think Tatum and Brown are getting to the point where they have the ability to elevate the play of those around them. But to Gary's point, you got need you need better players because I mean, yeah yeah because Grant Williams right now to me is is the one guy that has kind of figured out that those guys are good we open shots damn near every game so I kind of need to make those shots and we once you need- start adjusting to Grant which they have Grant's got to do some different things now uh, last game we we saw the trifecta that I thought we would never see from Grant Williams back to back threes and then a dunk. Not in layup line, not in pregame, not when the lights are out and he's practicing. We're talking right, actual game time. Game. I was so happy for that dude because <laughs> he has been crapped on like no other young buck on this team has been crapped on. And he is making the most of his opportunities. But those opportunities are in large part because of the Jays and him figuring out how to play off of them. And they just need more people to be like Grant Williams and figure out what you do. How can I, what I do play off of what they do? I mean, I look at a guy like uh, P.J. Tucker. If you look at the Heat game last night, mm-hmm. the Heat are up three um, against Toronto. Last 25, uh, maybe maybe last 15 seconds or whatever, 18 seconds. Um, the Raptors need a stop, and they they can get the ball back. They, have, they need a stop to try to tie it. Jimmy Butler penetrates, draws in two defenders. It's P.J. Tucker in the corner, drains an open three, game over. That's the kind of thing you're talking about. Like, teams are like, listen, we're gonna, we're not going to let Jimmy Butler, who had a triple-double last night, we're not going to let Jimmy Butler beat us. But we're going to take chances that P.J. Tucker won't be able to hit that corner three, but that's his, but that's his sweet spot. Yeah. He hit it, okay? He was wide open for a reason. It's because teams are like, we're not letting Jimmy Butler go to the rack and get layup and get fouled. That's what he does. Or do that little spin and hit that short jumper. Mm. So he goes to the basket. He draws defenders. Uh, Tucker's defender leaves, and he throws it out. And the whole thing is cross your fingers that he won't hit that shot. So mm. that's the thing. Guys got to hit open shots. If you don't, If you can't hit open shots, you shouldn't – I don't know if you'd be on the floor. We talk about Neesmith, love the kid. He plays hard. But as someone mentioned, like, I think I read on Twitter, like, they didn't draft him to be a hustle guy. You can get that dude from a two-way contract. You can get that dude off the street. They, they, they drafted him to hit three-pointers, which he hasn't really done yet. And that's why people – they should play Neesmith more. Neesmith's got to hit shots. He's got to hit open shots because when he's getting, getting shots, they're open. 
He's got to knock them down. Romeo was starting to do that. The whole thing is just knocking down open shots, taking advantage of the opportunity when you have it because Jason and Jalen are going to draw so much attention. And it's like last night, Toronto was like, listen, we're going to defend Butler and then we'll, we're going to take our chances on Tucker. Tucker burned him. L for Toronto. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it raises the question that certainly we talk a lot about in, in Celtics land these days, and, and that's who do you keep, who do you trade, and what can you trade? And, and, and I guess the, the, the – and I had a conversation with Brad Stevens actually about this uh, last week where we, we talked about just how, you know, the, the up-and-down nature of this team – it adds a different wrinkle to those conversations that you have with other teams because, you know, when the trade deadline comes up, teams that typically are the kind of easy ones to, to pick off as far as what they're going to do are the teams that are near the top of the standings because all they're looking to do is maybe tweak something a little bit, nothing significant, just maybe get a little bit more depth to the, to the mix. And teams at the back, back, back end of the pack who are just like, come one, come all. Everything you see – Tell me what you want. Let's make a deal. Though, and, and then you got teams like the Celtics who have shown flashes of being a really good team. And then you lose to the Clippers twice and you get your ass whipped by teams that you got no business losing to. New Orleans with like basically one or two rotation guys already on a bad team. They got you down 18 at the crib before you have to rally and come back. So I, I guess my, my question to you guys is looking at the way this roster is constructed, look at the up and down nature of it. And then a new factor in all of this, they've won five of their last six games. How do you think the wins that the trade wins are going to be blowing between now and February 10th? I mean, are, are the Celtics going to be more active than we've seen in past years and look to get some things done, or are they going to be kind of what we've seen the last few years and just kind of maybe, maybe do one or two minor deals, but nothing that is like roster slash league altering. I can't speak to what Brad Stevens will do, but if he actually wants to shake up this roster, everyone has to be on the table except for maybe Jalen and Jason, but he has to be willing to, I think, give up a significant amount. But to Gary's point, that would have to be for a playmaker, a consistent playmaker, because when we talk about everyone else on the roster that, hasn't been making those shots it also comes down to it it seems as though the confidence isn't there either so you need someone that can confidently go into the game at any point and just make a play and, or help the team make a play in, in some kind of way or fashion and right now they don't have anyone that can do that and if brad can get a team to be willing to give somebody up that could bring that kind of influence to the roster i think that could hopefully change the outcome of the rest of the season but i don't know who would be willing to make that kind of deal with Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they'll make some minor moves. I think that it's discouraging because let's look at it. Let's face it. Like, there are five and a half games out of the top spot in the East. As bad as they've been at times, as up and down, as the losses have mounted and the tough losses have mounted and people think this is a cursed season, they're five and a half games from Chicago and Brooklyn in the East. So if you used to turn into sellers, I think it'd be really discouraging for your fan base. Mm -hmm. I think they can turn into buyers, but they're probably going to have to part with Romeo or Aaron, um, Mm -hmm. maybe even Peyton. I probably would trade Peyton last. I think he's got the the guts, the fearlessness in the the game to stick around. But I think they're probably going to have to part with one of those guys. 
And the question is, how attached is Brad Stevens to some of his youngsters? Is he as attached as Danny was? Right. As we learned, the attachment to um, the young guys burned Danny a lot. Like it just burned him, the the attachment to to Carson Edwards, the attachment, just some of these attachments that he had that he was James Young. Yeah, that he was he was he was crossing his fingers that it was going to work out, and it didn't. And you know you you're going to have to part with something. Teams are going to want. Okay, Dan, I mean, Brad already gave up a first round pick in the Kimba deal. So is he going to give up another one? Um, or is he going to like, which I think he would have to be 2008, uh, sorry, 23. I don't think you can give up consecutive first round picks. No, so what's going to happen there? What does Brad have to offer? And is he going to dangle Aaron, dangle? And I'm not saying teams are going to really need Aaron, but that's it's he's a prospect. You can throw him into a mm-hmm. deal. A team can take another look at him. So, what's da- what's what's Brad going to sacrifice to get this done? Because teams are going to understand, and and teams are going to charge high prices. They're going to go high until they, they maybe get desperate. But the fact is, I mean, Danny gave away Javante Green last year. Javante starting for the Bulls. Like some of these some of these deals were just really like like head scratching. Like. You know, you get you want to give Tice away, which hurts your defense in the second half after the All Star break, and you threw in Javante Green, and he, you threw in an NBA starter. Like no, you like like no. On a team get, with like the best record in the East, to get to get sixteen games of Evan Fournier. You know, oh God, um, yeah. So, so for me, Brad's got to be smart, and I think he's extremely smart. He's got to make the right move. He's got to be fearless and be like, listen, like to whoever prospect, it just hasn't worked. Maybe you'll resurrect yourself or, or, or grow or flourish in another spot. But it's it's a tough, it's not an easy decision because that you know, Neesmith could become a, a good shooter somewhere or uh, Romeo. You don't, you, you would tend not to want to move those types of guys, but you can't have those, you can't have your team filled with prospects who ain't done it yet either. You can't. You can't – that's what happened the last – you had five or six guys in the roster holding spots that shouldn't have been on shouldn't have been on the team. But you bring up a good point. You mentioned Fournier. You mentioned Javante Green. And the way that they've had breakout seasons, so to speak, that's a little dramatic, I think. But they've had better seasons than they did in Boston. Do you think part of it is them just not being utilized in the right way when they were here? Well, I don't think Fournier's had a good season. I think he's had a good season against Celtics. Had, had good games, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. I think if Fournier played Celtics, he'd be uh, super max. You know, he, he'd, be, he'd be all-time great. He'd be on the top 75. He played the Celtics every game. Um, <laughs> he'd be the new logo. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, let's be honest. He had 30, 35 against the Celtics and, like, 11 against the rest of the league. Yeah. My goodness. So I, I think that sometimes some of these players are be, aren't being utilized as much. Javante was a growing player. He was he's an athlete more than he was a basketball player. But the yeah. the Bulls have turned him into a defender slasher, and that's what the Celtics are trying to do last year. And I think also now he, he was he was close to Jason Tate. That was his best friend yeah. on a team, and, and to just kind of give him away like that and just here Chicago. Like we want to get under the luxury tax, and and that was a. I think that might have. I think that if if Brad could do that, 
over again. I'm sure he would probably bring Javante back because he's kind of the guy they need, a guy who could just hit that corner three, freakish athlete, defend, give you energy. He doesn't ask for the ball, doesn't want to score. You know what? I, I, I think and he's that, the best friend of your best player. Well, right. Why well, not? And, you, and, and Gary, and to your point, Gary, you ain't got to pay a lot of money for him. No, he comes you, you, don't, you don't have to pay him like DeAndre Jordan money. No, well, now you would have to pay a little more, though, because yeah, you let him he's go. coming. He, he came a little cheap. But yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that the Celtics have to consider all their options. But I also think that players, um, you know, do. I think they might flourish other places, but would you have paid $78 million for Evan? Yeah. No. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Evan, like the Knicks forked up $78 million for that dude. Yeah. Like, just they imagine did. him averaging 11 and three or four, what he's averaging in New York, and having that here on a $78 million contract. You know, like the fans would riot. They would yeah, burn so, down the city garden. So that's the thing is that. You know, you the Knicks overpaid for him because they were trying to take him away from the Celtics, and the Celtics were like, "We got it, okay, bro, you got him." And but y'all want y'all want a backup from last year? Okay, y'all got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'll, 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 it'll end up being a, in a, in a smart move. You know, you got the trade exception that you can use all, all up into the summer for in that Evan deal. But to me, um, I don't know if it's guys flourishing. People. Ask well, are guys trying to get to you know Horford got out of Boston, Hayward, Irving? I think they're all different circumstances. Is there a stain on this organization after the Isaiah thing? I don't know, but but you'd like what you would like if you're a Celtic fan is for the team to maximize its assets mm-hmm. as much better than they have, and they haven't. You look at other teams like Memphis has. Bain, let's not talk about him. Okay, we yes. talk about from our Desmond Bain, but they also have uh, contract. Some dude number forty six. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have um, DeAnthony Milton. Like they have guys who they picked up off a of scrap heap. Or we were looking. Uh, I was looking with, with Jake from the Athletic, Herb Jones, for the for the Pelicans, second round pick. He's starting for the Pelicans. And I'm not, hey, her, he's a rookie. You see, did you see his athleticism? Did you see his potential? Like, that's like, that's he's going to be a player. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the kind of guys that something's got to land on. You can't keep yeah. failing with your second round picks or giving them away. Or like you got to score with some of these guys. And that's the thing. That's what hasn't happened. Because I like I was like, is her, I was like, Herb Jones. I know he played at Alabama, and I looked at it like. 35th overall pick like you know uh you know that's the thing it's it's, it's like you got to score on those guys every now more often than they have yeah I, I agree I agree and the one thing as we kind of look at the Celtics team and look at their roster and, and look at their players there's really no clear path that they need to take that you can look at and say this is going to make this team better uh, they can go and look for a, a knockdown shooter like a Buddy Hill. They can go try to add someone who might be uh, a long-term uh, pickup uh, right now, a guy like Jalen Smith in Phoenix, where he's probably not going to re-sign with the Suns, but he's played really well. I could see them making a run at him. Uh, they could look for a guy that's maybe not even playing now who they can maybe get on the really cheap and hope that he can give them some juice down the road. Guy like TJ Warren, who has always been about getting buckets. Uh, And so obviously 
there's a lot of direction that the Celtics can go. But what I wanted to do, Gary, was was kind of kind of pivot back to where if we're going to talk about ground zero for the trade deadline, it has to be Ben Simmons and, and what's going on with him. And I know you you had in, in your, uh, I think your most recent edition of the uh, Boston Globe's Court Sense, you had some trade scenarios involving Mr. Simmons out there. And I wanted to have you shed a little bit of light on some of these uh, scenarios. And, and we're not going to, I don't think we're going to go through all of what the, there's some I, I find uh, Can you stop talking like JJ on good times? <laughs> Can you stop that? Why stop you have, that. do you like that? Oh stop that. No, you stop know that. damn well. You know damn well they have JJ. no idea who JJ is. Break it up, Google guys. Google it. it. YouTube you video. Know, I don't want to get into this right now. We can you we need the Next week, buddy, we bringing the drinks oh to the show. We bringing okay, the drinks. We gonna have we we gonna bring the it's drinks. It's like drink champs. Every. Every millennial reference from Gary shot. I'm just saying, like Google I'm just saying, more Trader Joe's water. Yeah, Google Good Times. Go ahead. I don't like this. Is what? ageism actually? You know, it goes both ways. Exactly. And another shot. I'm another drink, Coin. Another drink for us, Coin. Another drink. Another drink. There you go. All right. Stay hydrated, my friend. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have some drinks next week. All right, Gary, you, you've got Damian Lillard and a first-round pick to Philly for Mr. Simmons, Matisse Thibel, and Jaden Springer. I like Jaden. He's a pretty good player. He's in the G League, yeah. I mean, yeah. the fact is, is that if you're Portland, uh, Lillard's going to have the surgery. You don't know how invested. He's he's at his prime, right? Like, I don't – you know, he's going to – he's he's at that 30, 31 age – um, he gives Philly what they want now. So if you're Philadelphia, you give them Simmons, you give them, and then you give them Thibel, a, a young defender, and then you throw in like a prospect and, a, and, a, and, and, you know, you, you swap first round picks or you have a first round pick involved to me that gives you a player in his prime. Portland can start over because Portland's not making the playoffs. They're not going to do anything as you're currently constructed, and then they can rebuild the roster around. If you want to include McCullum and build around McCullum and Simmons, Anthony Simons is a guy to look out for. He has had really good games. He's one of these guys who was from um, the clown in the, not the G League at night, but he came out of I, uh, IFG Academy, um, didn't go to college, kind of like, you know, worked on his game and did that. And then all of a sudden ended the draft. And he's taken him a couple years to develop. Now he's like 21, 22, and he had a 36, I think a 39, 36 point game over the last couple of weeks. So he's developing. So Portland's like, okay, we have, I'm not saying a little replacement, but now we have someone on the rise. We have control over who's not going to make, be maxed out or make a boatload of money anytime soon. Let's take advantage of that. Let's bring in a younger player in Simmons to another player in Thibel and, um, Springer and then Philadelphia gets the player that can help them win a championship this damn year because their window is open and it's not going to get any wider. The East is to be had. So that's my thing. Lillard comes in, gives you the point guard you need. He can move to two with maybe at times with with, um, Tyrese Maxey. We saw what Maxey did the other night against the Celtics where he was just good five threes. He's, He's an improving player. Um, 
So to me, that deal makes sense if Portland is willing to part with Lillard, but he's a franchise guy who have his number retired. He's an all-time great blazer. So it's hard to trade those guys because you're a, a close-knit community and then you're trading them for a player who's overall very unpopular at this point. Now, you had another deal that, again, I, I think this one, whew, if I'm Philly, Philly wins this deal hands down if it went down like this, and that's John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, and Jalen Johnson to Philly for Simmons. Now, why would you do this if you're Atlanta? Because yeah. that's a lot of outgoing talent you just, you just put into the curbside. Because Atlanta needs a culture change. Like they won against Milwaukee the other night, but they they're seven, they're eighteen and twenty five. The defense is terrible. There's two. The, the The thing is, and you could ask about teams like Sacramento at times, Oklahoma City. When you throw all these young guys together, and you say to yourself, "We're gonna grow into a championship team. We got all these young guys. We got all these lottery picks." Okay. Well, you so sound Atlanta, like Boss Hog from Dukes of Hazard, man. What no, you talking, that's you talking not about true. me and JJ? Yeah, I don't even know that. Was, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> it's not even right. Let's move on. We're going to we're gonna <laughs> take over the world with all these young guys. <laughs> all these young guys don't always get along. Collins has not been happy for a while. Okay. Right. DeAndre Hunter's always has been injured. They already moved Cam Reddish. So mm-hmm. if you want something around trade, maybe you can move the trade to, to two guard. You just make a splash. You make a deal that just kind of changes the culture. You bring in a Simmons, an established player. I'm not saying, and you know, and remember, you've got Clint Capella and the other young uh, Kevin rising, Herter. Kevin Herter, but the young, the other young rising big, the 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 kid for out of USC who's like in his second year. Okay, Collins is a guy who hasn't been happy for a while. So do you? It's. I just think Atlanta. You do that for a culture change to like. Okay, this ain't working with all these young guys. We put Herder, we put Hunter, we put Reddish, we put Trey Young, we put Collins. All these guys are around the same age. Like it's working in Memphis, right? Memphis is the perfect example of how it can work. For Memphis, they seem yeah, like, they, like they look like they're having fun. All them dudes right. is like 23, 24. Yeah. You know, all them dudes is young, athletic. You don't have, you know, then you got Steven Adams just, you know, being the security oh, guard and the bouncer. Yes. Lifting people. Yeah, just moving, moving, (laughs) moving dudes. Like you have a team that's growing together, but that doesn't always work. Look at Sacramento. Oh, we're gonna put Tyreek Evans and Demarcus Cousins and all like all these young guys together, and we're gonna have a we're gonna have a powerhouse in Sacramento. It never worked because the young guys didn't get together. I don't know if it's working in Atlanta, even though they won like okay, they 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 snapped a 10-game home losing streak. Imagine if the Celtics lost 10 games in a row at home. Like, what it would be like in Boston? 10 oh. in a row at home. Like, in Atlanta's a place, as you I know, know that road, 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 players have, road players have a hard time getting up for the game and getting, like, well, it's a lot the to do with Atlanta. stories that we can't tell. You should not lose. You should not, you, Atlanta should be home. It's like Miami and the Lakers. It should be a home court advantage for the Hawks. You should Atlanta. be used to the lifestyle there's a lot to do there's a lot to do in Atlanta there's a lot of ways be calling you I was just about to say that the Lou Williams special the Lou Williams wings be calling you they be calling you but so I think that would be a culture change kind of deal 
And of course, Nate Nate McMillan loves. He's a defender. You need. They're the worst defense in the league, so you need defenders. You got enough scoring, so that would be, in my opinion, a culture change for the Hawks. Yeah, I would okay. say. Well explained. Yeah, well, I would say uh, Gary's got some more trade scenarios involving Ben Simmons. I would suggest you check out the Boston Globe's court says Check those out as well as his other uh, good stuff, good notes uh, in there, including a conversation with a guy that we were talking about a little bit earlier, Desmond Bain. Uh, good stuff from, from G-Wash there as well. For the Celtics, uh, looking ahead to their schedule real quick, they've got Charlotte on Wednesday, Portland, my guy, Chauncey Bills, back in the building. Everyone's his guy. Reunited. And and it feels so good. I got that one. You got that one, Kwani. All right. Oh, all right. See, we got to take a shot. We need to take a shot now. Kwani got that one. Are we going to start an acapella group? <laughs> no. No. No, okay, no, we're not doing that. Let, 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 let's simmer down, Kwani. Simmer down. You sure that's water you drinking, Kwani? Yes. No. Trader Joe's natural spring water. <laughs> Chauncey comes in on Friday, we, and we're at Washington on Sunday afternoon. And then Tuesday, the Kyle Draper returns, Sacramento right. Kings. We mm-hmm. might see if we can get Kyle on the podcast next a week. Four box? We're gonna go with, we, I'm going to see if we can make a – we can go with a, a all four, a four corners offense. Four corners. It's going to be fun. That'll be good. That'll be good. Everyone um, yelling at each other is what is going to happen. Cool. The two of y'all. Uh, Gary, what is she talking about? They're going to find something to argue about. What is she talking about? I guarantee you. I think I need to really make a drinking game for this. We should make that. We should come up with Connie. Maybe that should be Connie's homework for next week to come up with like a list of of topics to to be part of our drinking game. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll work on that. I know you will. (laughs) (laughs) What else you got? Speaking of working on stuff, Connie, what else are you working on and and working with coming up on NBC10? I, who, what am I working on? Kwani, can you bring the can you bring the Cheetah Girls picture next week? Oh my god, I don't even know where the picture is. <laughs> for the record, for people, because you brought it up last week and we didn't clarify. There, I was not with the che- actual Cheetah Girls. <laughs> my friends who went to BC with me decided to come to a game, and it was probably the most diverse that you've ever seen. Y'all look like the Cheetah Girls. We they had a Hispanic girl, a black girl, like you know, diversity was there. And he, Decided the diversity, the all the diversity boxes were checked. All of them. <laughs> y'all look like do. y'all's about to go on tour. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't just saying. Bring but, the Cheetah Girls picture and a picture with Michael I, B. Jordan. I think uh, I showed them the Michael B. Jordan picture no, already. He will not let this one die. I, oh, we've talked no. about it. Maybe we haven't shown it. We've talked about it. We've okay, talked, I guess. Twenty took a picture with him on the court. I remember that picture. Yes. I did. Right. Kwani was like, not a big deal. It's just Michael. Yeah. It's like, can you, can you kind of get, try- can you push back for me, uh, Michael B, Michael D. Jordan? <laughs> you ain't so the scary. real, you ain't the real Mike. So you need to. You're step- the same person that talks about, okay, you want, you know, being objective, being a journalist. In that moment, I was trying not to be a fangirl. I was trying to be professional and just, okay. I was still working. <laughs> you- Michael, oh, we know you was working. We know you was working. Yeah. Michael A. Jordan. Michael, Michael X. Jordan. Can you step three honestly, feet down? If was, honestly, if it was the original Michael Jordan, I yeah, probably would Yeah, you would have smiled. I was so proud of Kwani, though, because Kwani was such a pro, man. She was like... Oh, my God. I mean, she... I, I, I was impressed with you, Kwani. 
Thank you. You you handled yourself you way better than I did like years ago when I met Tony Braxton for the first time. I, I wasn't nearly as professional about things as you were. <laughs> also, I just never like situations. Steph Curry. Steph Curry. <laughs> There was like a long line of women to take, like trying to take pictures with him, and I just didn't want to seem as though I was being thirsty. So that's kind of why I distanced. You took a picture with him. I know. I, I took it, but it, I took it because no, the only reason I took it because towards the end I was the only person who hadn't taken a picture. So he was oh. like, "Are you sure you don't want to take this picture?" So I was like, "Okay, I'll take it because then I don't want to seem like." Because you asked me to take it, I'll take reluctantly. it reluctantly. But it wasn't even like that. It was more of like, "All right, you might as well just take it because everyone else." I don't know. I don't. Corny handled herself well, though. I was. I, I was tried. Like, okay. Corny did not. There was no like. Oh my god. Oh my god. None of that. None of that. I just, you did like Much Michael respect. K. Michael L. Michael Jordan. J. Jordan. Michael Z. Jordan. <laughs> I was Michael W. Jordan. I'm gonna need you to take three steps to the left. Away. Okay. Now we can take the right. Michael Jordan. <laughs> exactly. Because you ain't. You ain't. You ain't be. You ain't like. You ain't be like Mike. No. <laughs> No, no. Oh my like, If you're oh. the real, you ain't the real Mike. Exactly. Okay. Not legit. I'm just kidding. But no. you asked what I've been up to. I would just say stick with the hub today if you haven't been watching it. Also, 10 questions with NBC 10 Boston. I still have the last interview that I did, but I'm planning on rolling out some good interviews over the next few weeks as we lead up to Black History Month and eventually Women's History Month and just making sure I'm giving some flowers to the people that have made an impact in Boston. And beyond. Nice. nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm still doing stuff for fullcourtpressbulletin.com about the Celtics. Also, ebony.com. I uh, had a column recently looking at just uh, the NFL and, and the, the just the dirt for black coaches and how, you know, what happened on, like, the first Monday after the season, because I don't like the term Black Monday. Um, yeah. I think we – I think that, that just uh, – that term has – I know it has to do with the, you know, the stock market years ago back in the 80s. And I, I get that. I know that. But I still don't like the damn term anyway. Anyway, mm-hmm. I wrote about just the, the coaches that were going to spoke, focusing specifically on Brian Flores, who uh, BC alum uh, was on Belichick's staff and how his whole situation is a reminder that it really isn't about winning and losing. Um, it's about relationships. And so, oh, God, what is she? <laughs> I've been doing that the entire time. I also I had a boss. I, I, I was pretending not to notice until course, it damn covered notice. Like, okay. I'm going to be obnoxious. She is really going to be obnoxious. So anyway, uh, just kind of wrote about that and just kind of threw my two cents in there. Um, listen, we sick and tired of seeing your BC pigeons, all right? Can we have a show and tell day? I feel like I've just been showing the people that are watching this. Episode. Seriously? Do you really want to go there? Yeah, let's go there. What else I got? I don't have anything else to show. Next week. Uh, exactly. And I and I got more. I got I got stuff right. animals. I got bobble dolls. I got... All right, next week. Show and tell. That's it. Literally. Pull it off the floor. I haven't right done that now. since kindergarten. Come on. Find some cool stuff. Come on, Corny. Okay, you don't want this. You don't want yeah. this smoke. We don't want that. No. Gary, so, what is... Yeah. Go ahead, Corny. Go ahead. No, I was just asking Gary what he's been up to other than writing. All the time. Other than, other than getting, getting into it with uh, Celtic guards, uh, <laughs> um, just covering the team, writing my column, Sunday notes. I have an interview with a legendary Celtic coming up this week. Ooh, that's um, a tease. Yeah. Okay. Legendary Celtic coming up this week. Uh, he, you all know and love him, so he'll be talking to me. 
this week. And um, I was going to make a joke. There's a lot going on. And and the all 15 all time Celtics team is coming out. The 75th anniversary Celtics team is coming out. Uh, I think any day now. Yeah. And I, I was able to vote on that, so uh, we could talk about that. We can talk about that. We can talk about that. We can talk about that next week, and I'm sure I'll get hammered for my ballot, but Absolutely. it is what it is. Yeah, Gary, I'm sh- I'll show my ballot. I did vote Bill Russell and Larry Bird and uh, so and Bob Cousy, so, you know. You did or uh, did not? I did, of course. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so it was a hard. You show your ballots? Huh? Yeah, because it was hard. Oh. I mean, it's it it's very. I mean, you can you, you can go twenty five on that team. I mean, if you oh, want nice. to go back to Bill Sharman and the Jones boys, Casey and Sam. Um, you know, if you want to include Cedric Maxwell, and then you want to include if you want to include guys who didn't have great long stints in Boston, do you put Isaiah Thomas on the team? Second all time scoring season in Celtic history behind behind yeah. Havlicek. Is he on your all 15? You're choosing probably the guys in their prime, 15 great greatest Celtics. Does Isaiah make your team maybe third team? So uh, all those are intriguing questions. It'll be interesting to see that when the team comes out. Yeah. It was hard. I mean, it, it was it was so much harder than I thought. Because I think, Gary, remind me, we had it was it two teams or three teams? I can't three. remember. Three it teams three. of five, so 15 players. Yeah. Okay. And you know, it was yeah, hard. Truth, yeah, and it's oh, it's, it's I'm excited for these results. That's the that Koozies, Koozies, Havlicek's, Pierce's, all birds, Bacales, all that. That's great. That fills in like 11 or 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Then you do Dennis Johnson, Tiny Archibald. Um, you know, where does Parrish go? Do you put Parrish on there? I think you would. You would. What about Tommy Heinsohn, Don Nelson? Uh, the players, a lot of players from the '60s, you know, who Dave Cowens. Where do you put him? You put him on your yeah. first team as your first team center as Garnett. Like it's all types of of uh, intriguing things about that team. So it was a, it was fun. So we can we discuss have a that franchise with seventeen championships. I don't think that's an easy process no. at all. No, <laughs> at all. No, it's not. I mean, there, I mean, there were a couple no brainers. You know, the, the Russells, the Kuzi of the world. But yeah. you're really only looking at like maybe ten, maybe eleven spots for a franchise that. that has had just incredible success. Also, everyone's yeah. numbers retired too, so you got to Except in the 50s. Like, yes. Like this is this is episode 59 and I don't believe that there's ever been a Celtic who has worn jersey number 59. I know the 50s that for whatever reason Celtics players they really did not uh they weren't feeling the numbers in the 50s. So. Yeah, they're not cute numbers. Just like I don't know. Yeah, it's really <laughs> random, Sherrod, but okay. I'm just saying, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, now we 56, know Yeah. Yeah, there this we go. Good. Boom. I'm just trying to help you out, Gary. Put some knowledge yeah. in your knowledge bank. That's all. Oh, yeah. yeah, you give us knowledge, we give you knowledge. Everybody gives each other knowledge. That's what I'm saying. That's what this podcast is all about. And once again, oh, shout on, out to our you. You're not quite going to come hard at the end, Gary. Calm down. <laughs> calm down, sister soldier. Like, calm down. Come on, Queen Latifah, let him know. Come on, Mr. Soldier. I know it's ladies. I know it's ladies first and all that. I know it's ladies first. Look that up too. Ladies first. Ladies first. first. You never heard that, have you? See, I know. I have. That's a drink, Gary. I hate admitting it. Know your rap history. A group of women, led by Queen Latifah, made a rap song called "Ladies First. Okay, I feel like I've heard it before. 
Okay, like all, there's and you know what? There's a video too. Like oh it was nineteen. <laughs> they had video back then. They had videos back then. Yes. Look up when you get off this uh, podcast. I'm going to first. I'm going to press play as the end. Before Queen Latifah was in Chicago, like, oh, you mean the girl from Chicago? The girl who was like I know the Equalizer? Yeah, her. She used to rap. No, I don't know her from the Equalizer. <laughs> she used to rap. She kind of had a rap career before. I'm so I mad that I don't have any damn drinks near me that I, I can. So... She had a rap career before she started acting and do, sing, doing Broadway. Really? Up there, yeah, know? I only know her from doing Maybelline commercials. It clean was <laughs> no joke. Are you done? Boy, take I'm us done. out, Bonnie. Okay. So thank you all for listening this far. I know it's been a lot of chaos during this episode, but we appreciate y'all for sticking with us. Once again, shout out to our sponsor, betonline.ag. If you haven't used the promo code TLNS50, feel free to do that. For Ashrod Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwane Lunas. You're listening to the A-List Podcast. We'll be back next week.